As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that total mom sense. As shared on mompowerment.com, if you're a mom and you're wondering about mompreneurs or mom-owned businesses, here's some food for thought. Of the women-owned businesses out there, it's estimated that one in three is owned by a mom. That number is pretty amazing as it translates to more than 4 million businesses. Mompreneurs are resourceful, tenacious, and get the job done because we truly have no time to waste. Today, I'm delighted to have my friend, Leslie Rubish, joining me on the show. Leslie has built a career helping brands form a strong, singular identity and using it as a foundation to create successful marketing programs across all channels of consumer touchpoints. Her innovative style has helped launch and grow brands such as Alexander Wang, where she oversaw branding, communications, and marketing. In 2012, she founded her own company, specializing in business development and brand strategy across fashion, beauty, and lifestyle categories. She has partnered with companies such as LVMH, VS Vega, Calaris, Barney's New York, Samsung, Y Combinator back skincare brand, Dear Brightly, Ukes Group, Inez and Vinod, Senrev, Sofia Coppola, and Four Days. She loves to mentor and endeavors to continue to work with inspirational individuals and brands whom she admires. This includes a new role as a community organizer at Hey Mama, where she loves to help support an inspiring community of working mothers. Leslie, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Thank you so much for having me. I am really delighted to have this conversation with you. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's so nice how we get to just chill out and chat and we just relate to one another as uh, mompreneurs. There's so many moms out there that are kind of in the weeds now, and they're just wondering, you know, what do we do to be able to leave the corporate world and go off on our own? So, you know, I want to just start from the beginning of your story. You, know, you really made your mark in fashion, and many women moved to the Big Apple, as they say, to work in fashion. Was that always your dream? It's funny. It wasn't my dream until I had already moved to the city. I was very green. I was definitely a late bloomer and I was raised in a family that was nurturing and loving, but I was the youngest of three and my sisters had really big personalities. And I think that, you know, no one was asking, what do you want to do? What are you, (laughs) including myself? I was kind of quiet and shy. And I observed my sisters and kind of, I wouldn't say followed them, but kind of. Uh, My oldest sister went to University of Delaware. And then I went to University of Delaware. But I definitely grew into my own 
in my 20s. My oldest sister moved to New York City, thankfully. Okay. I visited her and it absolutely changed my life. And it was really eye-opening. Even though it was from South Jersey, I felt very sheltered and just had never seen the diversity, the energy, the people, the rainbow of people. Right. Alive like I'd never seen. And seeing Barney's, you know, with the explosive creativity. And I think that the wheels definitely started turning at that point. It wasn't necessarily fashion, but when you reach a certain age, I think you look back in your life and see it as just one big journey that led from one thing to the next. Right. Would you say that even um, as a child, you had an affinity for creativity and communications that led you into the branding sector? Definitely. Well, I, I had my own business called JB's Airport Center that I worked out of my garage. I didn't make any money. It was just like a play phone. And I got an internship at Jane Magazine. And then I went to New York Magazine. And even though that wasn't the right thing for me, I definitely learned so much about myself about you know what I liked and what I didn't like. So any bad situation can definitely be parlayed, you know. So I definitely say it's a bad job. Leave. You learned and move on. Yes. Um, what did you learn from the industry? And if you can give us the good, the bad, the ugly, the life lessons. When I was working in house with designers, I'd say it's just pure passion. It's really hard work. People give up, you know, their personal lives for their job. There isn't a lot of downtime. The calendar is so aggressive with pre-collections and runway shows, markets, and, you know, is just a big, a big part of it. And no day is exactly the same, which is, you know, all of these are, have pluses and minuses, right? I would say that it's definitely more glamorous on the outside and not necessarily on in, on the inside it is glamorous you know those fun moments where you're meeting Sarah Jessica Parker or you know just doing a runway or doing an event in Shanghai all of that was awesome and it led me to such great places to Tokyo to Africa it just it was really awesome and i love that aspect of it I would say the thing that I didn't love is the strange hierarchy of power in the fashion media industry. And there's a slight slice of humanity missing, I would say, you know, a bit of pretentiousness. That's probably the downside of it, the pretentiousness. To me, that's what, you know, um, probably led me to stray from that fashion runway, strict fashion. Yes. Yeah. I, I think I would agree. And I worked in fashion for a bit when I first moved to New York. And that was one thing that I just, I couldn't really understand the um, superficiality of it all, you know? And at the end of the day, it was like, these are just clothes in a rack. We're not saving lives right now. (laughs) And um, tell us about uh, some of the work that you did um, with these powerhouse designers, Wang, Lim. I started doing... PR. And it was so important at that time. It meant so much more than it does now. And, you know, really helping them understand who they were as a brand and how they were going to enter the world in a very competitive world. I got my hands sturdy in everything. That's what I love about young businesses. I get 
bored just being, you know, one sided. And then I ended up leaving the news and I went in house full time with Alexander Wang because it was really a story that I wanted to continue to tell. Mm -hmm. So yes, we just, you know, it was a lot of smoke and mirror in the beginning. It was a lot of, you know, making impossible things happen and not having a lot of huge budgets at the beginning. But we, you know, got really creative and I started finding partnerships and with other companies and got to do huge events and huge runways. And most of it was sponsored. We were just really, really creative. I really, really wanted to do something with MTV. And I just called the president. I didn't really know who the president was. I figured out we we were on MTV. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow. So is that what it takes just to have that chutzpah? I think so. I think, you know, really good ideas. Shoot it. I think people, you know, think like, oh my God, you could never do that. MTV doesn't really exist. But I'm like, you know what? It's just the point of it. You know, it's just one of those things. And then a famous VJ did the interview and it just was, it was awesome. Yeah. And it's definitely, you know, a feather in your cap. And it's one where when you've really made it on a platform that resonates with millennials, then you've just put your designer and brand on that map now. So, so cool. And would you say that, you know, when you were pitching to these sponsors and working with other media companies uh, for coverage, would you just heed the adage that if you don't ask, you won't receive? Yes. Just came up with really outrageous ideas and willed them to happen, I would say. Tell us about when you decided to pivot and said, okay, you know what? It's time I go off on my own because my priorities have changed. I was about to become the first VP at Wang, which meant a lot to me, but I was starting to feel like my learning curve was diminishing only because when you've been exposed to like one leadership or, you know, one management team for a long time, I just felt like I wanted to see how others did it you know, coupled with the fact that I really wanted to have my own business um, because of the JB's airport center from my garage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just one of those things that I, at that moment, I said to myself, if you can go get one account, I didn't even say enough to make a living. I just said, just one account, go and get it. And I did. And then I jumped off someone once said, intention is similar. It's the same as you say, I am going to go brush my teeth and then you go and do it. It's really as simple as that. So in saying, I want to start my own business, the wheels start turning. Everything goes, starts working into action. You're constantly, you know, thinking about it, finding new ways. I got one account. The irony is that I couldn't even take that account because I ended up staying on as a consultant with Alexander Wang, which I so appreciated him supporting me in that way. And then I worked with the Ukes group, the now owned Net-A-Porte. And those are the only two accounts. I don't take on more than two or three accounts at a time. So I'm kind of like an executive, part of an executive team for each of my companies is really how I see it. Yeah. So I was off and running. I often tell people that you would be surprised that your company can't necessarily do without you and they will find a way to keep you. At that time, I was so personally driven that I didn't like the idea of having a ceiling 
I didn't like that I knew what I was going to make in a year, even if I worked super hard and propelled his business or you know, any business. It didn't have that ownership. I love that you mentioned that because when you do choose to go off on your own and start something, when you turn it into a consultancy and flip it, like you said, and work for a former employer as a new client, you have you know complete creative freedom, jurisdiction, their one spoke on your wheel. It's really empowering. Absolutely. You know, I think that COVID is really teaching us so much about working from home and owning our day, our time, our priorities. We still get things done, of course, but I'm most creative at 7 a.m. I have I do so much work right at 7. I never really understood being tethered to a desk just because you have to be and you you can't have freedom, especially for the creative industry. I don't understand or, you know, trying to be creative in a, in a cubicle. We'll see what changes after COVID. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's really inspiring to hear because those who may have lost their jobs during this time, you shouldn't feel defeated and down and out. Use this time to hone in on your own venture, you know, get those creative juices flowing, you know, assess the skills that you have to offer and just get started. Get started. Exactly. So, you know, when one launches their consultancy, how do you formalize it and kind of get the ball rolling with your first client? You know, most people will set up a website, getting a lawyer so that you can, you'll be entering the world of contracts a lot of times I've had to create them myself. Then your lawyer can help you set up an LLC. I kept it super simple. I, you know, if I had to hire people, I would typically have the company that I was working with hire them directly. So any other teams that I needed, it was usually that. I like just to keep it really super simple. I don't want to be bombarded with all of the paperwork and everything. I just I just want to do the work and I definitely bring in teams, but then I'll maneuver the companies. And really also, I typically work within the teams that they have too. That's another part of, you know, when you're, you know, creating websites and building brand identities, they're helping you with the work and you're helping guide them into, you know, if you're doing a rebranding. So I always love that aspect. And a lot of times people don't want to work with a consultant. And, you know, sometimes I think that, you know, they're, you're being brought in because the team is missing something. And so, you know, part of my job too is getting to know people in a real way and getting to inspire them and, you know, vice versa. We both need each other and we have to work together. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of try to disarm them, I guess, of their uh, insecurities and try to build up their esteem and their skill set at the same time. Yes. Yes. I love that. You know, through our conversations, you've told me that one of the main reasons that you wanted to have this freedom in your life was to be able to spend time with your son, Miles. And I think that that's so uh, beautiful because you were willing to reassess and really pinpoint what mattered to you in your life. And you said, this is my priority and that's why I'm making this change. Can you extrapolate on that? Yes. 
So when I started my own business, Miles, my son, was three years old. I had absolutely missed out on so much, you know, because Alexander Wang was my baby. And so it was very hard for me to have two babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was the other aspect of just saying, I don't, you know, I had this baby. I don't want to miss everything. I really want to be there. I don't want it to be the nanny. You know, it's not that I didn't have a nanny. I, I still work and I still leave him, but I think that I am able to, you know, manipulate my own time and prioritize what I need to. And so, yeah, I made that decision. Miles is now 10, as I said, and I am class mom every single year. And oh. I am very present. You know, he understands that I work and I work from home. It just depends on what projects I'm working with at the time. You know, sometimes I'm traveling to LA, sometimes I'm in New York every day in the city or traveling back and forth. But, you know, and I don't mind working seven days a week. I would do that over missing him, I don't know, a special or, you know, something that a presentation or writing what do they call them? Writing celebrations that I get to see in his class and go on class trips. I would rather work in other times to make it all work. It's not necessarily that you work less, but you're, you can be present and show up when you need to. Yes, exactly. You know, when you have a really demanding job and so many of us women do where you're traveling and you're away from home, you feel like, you know, you're just, you have this like permanent FOMO right? When you were working for the brands all around the world, Paris and Tokyo and and all over. So tell us about that. And if you had any moments where you wish you were elsewhere. You know, I, I didn't take a maternity leave. I was physically home, but I worked the whole time. There were days that I didn't even get to brush my teeth. I just, every second was working or then taking care of baby. And because I wasn't around, I would make him big vats of homemade baby food on the weekend. And I just remember being in Brooklyn with the stroller and the bags breaking my arms. And uh, it was hard. And I understand. So there I am. I'm uh, in Tanzania. Mm -hmm. And I get a parasite. I was sick for a year. I was in bed. I got C. diff two times. I was so ill. And I moved to Montclair shortly after that and, you know, just gave a like a little bit simpler life, but still driven and all the same things still apply. So when I'm saying this, like I am still working. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And everything. Um, I just, I'm just home more. I'm just present more, I would say. Wow. And what advice would you give to moms who are kind of straddling that space and are wondering which path to choose? Companies need to be kinder to women and moms. There needs to be more flexibility. You know, I never really understood that because I gave my heart and soul and all of my time and not to say that they weren't respectful, but I just, I think that there can be a lot more flexibility than there actually is. A company doesn't even have to pay you maternity leave. To me, that's really sad. And it's not the company's fault. I think that it's, you know, how we value women in the workforce. And I think it needs to, you know, come to Jesus. Would you say that when you have your own business, you're so all in and invested that you don't mind the round the clock work that you have to do? I mean, I'll just speak for myself. I love what I do. Like, especially with COVID now, 
and being home. I have miles and I have work. And, you know, I just really just boiled it down to those basics and prioritized. But I do love to work. If, if you know, if I have free time on Sunday, I'll do research. You know, I just love it. So it's just, it's part of who I am. You know, I think that it's very good for Miles to see what I do and what inspires me. And it makes me be a better mom too. Yes. Yes, exactly. So what would you say are your top three tips for moms to achieve a work-life balance? I hate to give blanketed advice because everyone is so different, but if I had to guess three, I would say that you have to be fulfilled personally and do everything you can to have that. If that's working with people that you love, believe in what you do, create boundaries. The second one would be having a strong emotional support system with friends, your husband, family. I believe in having mentors and also being mentor um, to people. And that's just so important for a well-balanced life. And three is creating boundaries. And you know, uh, in order to have both, I, ha- I say to my son, like, mama is off duty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I love that. You definitely have to have boundaries in place. How are you and your husband divvying up the workload at home, you know, while we were still kind of quarantining ourselves? My husband is a photographer, so he is not working right now. And I think women are too good at too many things. <laughs> I tend to be pulled in even when like mom's off duty. But I think that all you can do right now is just get by and enjoy your kids while you have them. They grow up. You are a community leader and you have connected so many mothers in New Jersey and beyond. And it's so amazing to see how you build all of us up. So I'm so thankful to have you in my life for that reason. (laughs) But how has it been for you um, having this mom tribe and community in your corner? So Hey Mama is a social and professional network networking community for working moms. So from being a member, I became a local organizer. So I get to create programming and connect people and, you know, really connect on things that matter most to us. And I think it's just so important. I definitely do that all the time. I try to get, I help people get jobs. I just, I I have always been a connector and now it's just a formalized version of it. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, you just absolutely can't do it on your own. And, you know, I have never gotten a job without a personal recommendation. I don't believe in LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) It's impersonal for sure. People get hired through connections. I've always hired people that way. I mean, of course, you know, you work with headhunters and you get a vibe and you have a certain, you know, company culture that you're matching, but a lot of times they come from other people. You go to people that you trust to say, who would be a good fit? You know me, who would be a fit? So that's how, that's how that cookie crumbles. You know, joining networks like this are just, you know, so important. You can, as you know, pick up the phone and call anyone from Hey Mama and you know you're going to get someone to answer on the other on the other line and it's so awesome to reach out to other women and learn from them and talk to women in other industries about your company and your struggles and they'll have a completely different way of thinking about it and it's just so so helpful 
And I think that men are really good at networking and women aren't as much. Anytime you're talking to someone, you know, that you're having a kind of a mentor or networking, you should recommend they meet three people. You know, it's just a thing. I was helped all throughout my career and still, still am. And I think it's important to realize that, recognize that, and then give back in that way too. Right. Right. Exactly. To pay it forward. And um, you're so spot on with the all boys club um, where, you know, they just very intuitively, you know, when they meet someone are like, you got to connect with so-and-so, you know, and it could be, um, you know, for an opportunity or synergy or, you know, just to connect. And with women, we're just great at building bonds that we can have that same kind of mindset like connect with so-and-so, connect with so-and-so. And um, and that's how you just help one another out. So you really are a passionate community leader. And I want to highlight uh, two of the events um, that you orchestrated so well. So one was in Montclair, New Jersey, and you had Bobby Brown um, speak to an audience of moms. And the other one was a virtual event recently that touched upon how to teach our children to be anti-racist. And it's all-encompassing with the Black Lives Matter movement. So tell us about these events that you produced. When I started as a community organizer, for Hey Mama, I was just thinking, we as mothers, working mothers, don't have time to go to events that we're not excited about, you know? So I thought like programming is so key. And a beloved mother, famous mother of Montclair is Bobby Brown. She gives back to the community. She's a big part of the community. So I felt like the first event just has to be Bobby Brown. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yes. And she's someone who, you know, is um, truly like a pioneer in the beauty industry, devoted mother of three, mainstay in New Jersey. And she's all about like, keep it simple. You know, that's the ethos of her brand um, now, even with Evolution 18, but she's just keep it simple. No fuss, no muss. It's like, yeah. Moms, we love her. Yeah, she was really raw and honest and she was very captivating. And, you know, when they said questions, you know, we're time for questions. Oh my God, so many people. <laughs> and, you know, and she she wanted to be there and she's a member of Hey Mama and, you know, she wants to hire Again, it's women helping women. So another thing too is that, you know, as the Black Lives Matter, we were all wondering and trying to figure out how we talk to our children about it. And I was doing research on exactly that to talk to Miles. And I came upon an article called Upending Racism and How to Talk to Your Children. It was by two women, DeAndra Verwain and Kirsten Cole. Mm-hmm. And it was so eye-opening. You know, I always feel like Miles has well-rounded group of friends you know, he often says, I don't understand, you know, what racism is about. We're all the same. You know, we have different color skin, but we have all the same body parts inside. I just don't understand it. And I'm always like so proud he doesn't see color, you know, in my white bubble. And this article says, oh no, you're robbing them of the opportunity for your child to be the agent of change for fighting injustice. Wow. All they say is, you know, do your research, learn, learn, learn the best ways. Because right now we are so complacent and we are all doing the wrong thing. 
And so that's really, you know, my mission and, you know, just really understanding as a white person, the white privilege and upbringing. And, you know, I was talking to Deandra who's talking about, you know, she doesn't feel safe with her child and her child is asking about their safety, you know, as a black mama, I can't imagine what that is like. But at the same time, I was telling her how I had family members who were intolerant, you know, when I was growing up. And so I kind of had that, you know, racism, you know, when I was growing up. And so, and that's like something I do not talk about. I'm so embarrassed by it, but now is the time to talk about so that you can understand all of those times that maybe you felt unsafe because someone looked suspicious, that form of feeling suspicious is rooted, a lot of it, with racism. We're judging someone by their skin. Gosh, it's so good to call yourself out on that and just understanding that it is part of who we are, potentially. And, you know, live in the discomfort and rip off those layers of years of being complacent and it's time to wake up. So she was just, I mean, that's what it's all about is just coming together and talking about it, whatever it looks like. Right. Absolutely. And I do feel that both racism and anti-racism, which is definitely active, um, an active form of knowing and consciousness are taught You know, and so if we are aware, then we can also pass down our awareness and self-introspection and views onto our children. So, yeah. Tell us about a moment in time where you just trusted that intuition of yours and were like, this is what we're going to do. I think the biggest one was moving to Montclair after applying to 12 preschools. I did get miles into a twos program in Brooklyn in Carroll Gardens, which is just so overpopulated with children more than Disney World. You know, there just were so few schools and and we ended up paying, you know, $20,000 a year and just craziness. I mean, it's just what, you know, you do, you know, just taking that leap and moving to Montclair that had a slower pace. It was a family decision. It was a miles decision that he could, you know, run in grass and, and everything else. So mm-hmm. we had paid our tuition and I moved on November 1st to Montclair, but we had paid the whole year. I had no intention of leaving Brooklyn. I thought it was ridiculous that I had to apply to 12 schools and that I was rejected from every one of them. Miles was rejected from every one of them because there were too many kids and they were absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, it's just the way that it is. So I never worked so hard in my life. And I remember being at Alexander Wang and hearing the news that Miles was accepted after not being accepted at, at our preschool. And I... Mm-hmm. Started screaming. (laughs) And, you know, I sounded ridiculous. Like, if you can't beat it, join it. And so we would be on interviews and we'd say, you know, our son says Moss instead of more and Ocho instead of bear. I mean, he's practically bilingual. Meanwhile, (laughs) that's so cool. Yeah. I love that you just listened to your heart and, you know, you did what was best for him. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Okay. So is there a quote that you live by? There isn't just one. I always screenshot things as I see them as quotes. So I have like a whole litany of them through the year. Mm-hmm. The time is always right to do what is right. Martin Luther King. Yes. I'll tell you what freedom is to me. No fear. Nina Simone. 
love. And then I, I think this is like a Jewish saying. I'm not Jewish, but I really love Judaism. I forgive you. I forgive me. Oh, it's so humanizing, you know, just to, oh, when things don't go out, go as planned or someone does something, I'm like, I forgive you and I forgive me. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, that's so beautiful. And yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. We need more of that. Yeah. It's now time for Mom Hall when we share products we love. The final section is Mom Hall. And since you have worked with so many brands, I'm so curious to hear what your favorite consumer products are right now. So is there anything that you're just absolutely loving? Yes. Well, I love my Dear Brightly Retinoids. It's a company that creates a tailored program for your skin of retinoids. And retinoids are the real deal. So we spend all that money on retinols that are over the counter. Retinoids need to be prescribed by a doctor, but they're kind of like a wonder drug and no one really gets them because it's a pain in the ass to go to the dermatologist and everything else. And they think that it's for acne, but it's really for wrinkles. (laughs) So Dear Brightly makes it possible and they have digitized the doctor experience. So you take a quiz. So it's really a modernized approach, which I just love. And everyone always asks me what product I use. So- And then I love my, this is another client, but truly has been life-saving because moms need their hands, that it's the Maestra, it's a Sen Rev bag that it turns into a backpack. So it's like, it could be like a handbag or a crossbody, but then you pull the straps and it's a backpack. And it has, I used to always carry men's bags because no women's bags are good for laptops. I have a 15 inch laptop. It just, it's very organized, it's very structured and has different flaps, different pockets. It's the best working bag. My mom haul for this week is a brand called Bella Tuno, founded by a fellow Hey Mama. Her name is Michelle Bulow. And I love the ethos of uh, our company. So they do the silica plates and bibs for babies. So yeah, I feel like the kids just can never be old enough to wear a bib. I love it. And Bella Tuno launched back in 2005 and the purpose was to change lives. So in 2014, when they learned that over 20% of kids in the U.S. are hungry on a daily basis, they committed to giving one meal per product sold and they work with Feeding America and the Global Food Banking Network and as of today have uh, funded almost 4.2 million meals for our hungry children. So yeah, definitely check them out. Bella Tuno, um, B-E-L-L-A-T-U-N-N-O.com. So where can my audience find you and follow you? My Instagram is Leslie Rubish and I can be reached on email anytime at Leslie at LeslieRubish.com. Yes. Thank you so much for leaving us feeling uplifted and empowered, Leslie. This was so wonderful. I'm so, so lucky to know you and share your story. Thank you so much. So much fun. Wasn't Leslie such a joy? I feel like her story truly resonates with so many mothers out there where you were at a crossroads. Do I stay in my corporate job or leave and start my own business? And if you're in that kind of dilemma right now, know that you can do it and you should just 
proceed with confidence and volition that you've got this. Leslie is most certainly proof. To read our product recos and the show notes for this episode, log on to my website, that's totalmomsense.com, and follow me on social media. I'm very active on Instagram, as you all know, at Kanika Chada Gupta. Thank you all for listening, and remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. Bye. That's total mom sense.